Hello and welcome back to Inside Quotes, the show where my brother and I rewatch, review, and relive the staples of our childhood. Um, this is episode 95, and I'm your host, Jeremy, and with me today is my older brother, Jonathan. Jonathan, welcome back to the show. Well, well, well. <laughs> well, 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 well. Well, look who's back. Whoa, whoa, wee, whoa. <laughs> quack, quack, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be back on the show. Couldn't make it in the corporate world, huh, Larry? Nope. Can't even make it in the podcast world, can we, Johnny? <laughs> I was qu- I was trying to quote the Ricky Gervais at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> but then I was just like, because I was trying not. I it's was trying. Cold. Let's I was, keep it in. I was trying not to do a, a British accent. I was just gonna try and do it normal, and I just went, well, 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 well. I think you should keep it. Jeremy, do you have an evil brother? Not to your knowledge. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Um, but I'm also not the favorite either, so that would make me the evil brother. We're not even Egyptian, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> this is a brother's movie now that you think about it. Yeah. But what movie are we covering today? Well, it was my turn, and I decided I wanted to go back and pick up the the next movie in the series, Night at the Museum Two, <laughs> Battle of the Smithsonian, which probably wins the award for longest movie title that yeah. we've covered here on the show so far. That's gonna be a beast just to name this episode. <laughs> so much Night typing. Night at the Museum Two. Gonna run out of characters. The Battle of the Smithsonian. <laughs> um, we covered the first one uh, back in episode thirty something like that. Something like second that. year, I think. Yeah, year two. Go back and listen to that. And so we had always talked about, oh, we're going to go back and do the other ones eventually. So here we are. Here we it's are. eventually. <laughs> it is eventually. Um, how do you feel about this this recording sesh? Feel good about it? I'm feeling pretty good here. Um, I think it's I think it's going well so far. <laughs> and I, I've got some notes here. We, I watched the movie. So I feel fairly prepared to talk about the movie. How do you feel? <sighs> well, I, I don't necessarily feel as prepared as you but we wing it here uh <laughs> probably not as prepared as i should be hmm. uh, but i did watch the movie and you know as the good old general george armstrong custer said uh we're americans we don't plan we do that's so, right so you know i'm living living by that philosophy today for sure yeah you didn't have as much time to prepare because you were like combing your hair now, it makes it like a golden fleece. I had to do like a golden fleece, uh, 100 combs per side. <laughs> 97, 98, 99, 100. Like a golden fleece. Uh, so yeah, uh, Night at the Museum 2, Battle of the Smithsonian. Honestly, a pretty good sequel compared to other sequels for kids. Uh, mm-hmm. Not necessarily the greatest, but I feel like it holds up. It holds up to uh, the standard at least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, these. I was shocked at like the budget on this movie. It, these are ac- the Night of the Museum movies are actually pretty high budget movies. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it's mostly CGI. The movie came out in uh, May two thousand nine, and it had a the second one had a budget of one hundred and fifty million dollars, which is pretty big for like a kids movie. Yeah. Um, and even the fr- I was expecting. I went back and looked at the first one. 
the first one still had a hundred million dollar budget too. So it's just yeah. like it's not like it was like a small movie and then it got big and they're like, right. oh, let's let's make it even bigger, which they they ended up doing. But I, I think guess. I think that's why some of the CGI like it kind of holds up actually in these movies. It's sure. it's not bad, <laughs> as opposed to the video game. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like a lot of that would go towards the CGI and yeah. all, probably the cast because the cast. this cast is stacked. So many, so many people in this. Anybody that's been on SNL was basically in this movie. Not really, but if you, there's a lot of like comedians in this. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of new characters well, and yeah, a lot of small a, roles. They go to a and, new museum. Okay, for yeah. those who haven't seen this movie. And have seen the first movie. Um, basically, actually, if you haven't seen the first movie, Night at the Museum is basically a historical fiction version of Toy Story. Um, and I love it. It's great. And it's kind of like National Treasure mixed with Toy Story. And we'll get to that, that note a little this, bit later. This one was. <laughs> this one specifically was. Um, but... Um, so yeah, it's basically that premise. Uh, the exhibits come to life after hours. Um, so most people can't see it, just the night guard. Uh, and then the second movie takes place and not the Museum of Natural History, although it opens there. Mm -hmm. Uh, all the exhibits are being moved toward the Smithsonian, which is like, some would say the Museum of Museums. I mean, it's no mosey, but <laughs> so uh, yeah. The most of the fan favorite exhibits are being shipped all the way down to <clears throat> Washington D.C. Um. So yeah, we had some fan favorites uh, <clears throat> from the first movie. Returning, we have Owen Wilson starring as Jedediah, which is a miniature min miniature figure. I don't know. Cowboy? Yeah, cowboy. And then they had like a bunch of miniature model sets in the first movie. Um, also returning is Robin Williams as Teddy Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. uh, rest in peace, both of those people. <laughs> Cut that out. No, that, I'm leaving that's that. That's a blooper at least. That is so good. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> uh, I only keep that in because Robin Williams would have loved that. <laughs> he would have thought that was funny. I mean, spe speaking of Robin Williams, I mean, when we covered <laughs> night, the original Night at the Museum, that was part of our Robin Williams Appreciation Month. It truly was, yes. So, if you like Robin Williams... <laughs> We covered a bunch of his movies. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, so yeah, Robin Williams uh, as Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, great part of these movies. He wasn't in the Smithsonian, although he did have a sort of like a portrait from Harry Potter type thing yeah, uh, where yeah. he was a bust instead of the full mannequin figure. Then we've got good old Ricky Gervais as the exhibit Dr. McPhee. Mm -hmm. Just kidding. He's not the exhibit. He's just the owner of the. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know his He's name. He's a curator. Museum He's just Ricky curator. Gervais. <laughs> I love Ricky Gervais. 
Uh, Steve Coogan as Octavius, which is like the buddy of uh, Jedediah, which is kind of dynamic duo of this series. Everybody knows both of them if you've seen it. And then we've also got Rami Malek returning as Achman Ra. Achman Ra. Um, <clears throat> and that's pretty much it that I can think of returning. Oh, Ben Stiller and our least favorite, Nikki. Kagawaya. Suga, suga, suga. Sack in a box. Sack in a box. <laughs> That's so funny. This movie, this movie made me laugh more than I remember it making me laugh. It's good. <laughs> oh, I think this is, this movie's definitely funnier than the first one. Do you think so? I think so. Sack in a box. It definitely had more moments that I remembered yeah. being funny. Um, but yeah, we can we can compare them now a little bit later on. We we do have one returning person that we didn't like. Yeah, we need to we need to get into this. Um, <laughs> if you remember our uh, first episode, Night Museum, uh, we had some hate on one of the actors in that movie, and that was Jake Cherry. Now, if that name doesn't ring a bell, it's because he played Nikki. Larry Daly's son, Ben Stiller's son in the movie, and he straight up sucked. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. And it's I, a good thing he wasn't in it that much this time. And I think the producers heard our complaints on the podcast okay, in the future. We're being so bad. We're being so mean to it. But that, the thing is, like, and I went back and re-listened to the episode, and... We were really harsh on him. We and were. And that's very uncharacteristic for us on this show. I think we're just... Like, we, we are usually are like, we, we we call stuff out when, you know, this didn't make sense, that wasn't that good of acting, whatever. But it's like everyone's trying to do their best, right? No one sets out to make a bad movie or whatever. But we were just, like, hating on his character so hard. Yeah. <laughs> our, main, our biggest complaint... Do you remember what our, our big complaint was with him? Um, it wasn't as much like we were actually complaining about the character, not as much like he was the a kid. Nikki. It wasn't really him. Yeah. It wasn't really him acting, although it wasn't like I great. Think it, it was more of a bit for us <laughs> than anything because we definitely hate it when people hate on child actors because they can't help it, yeah. especially like to the point where it hurts their mental health. Like uh, the guy who played Anakin in the first. Episode one, not the first movie, but mm-hmm. episode one. Um, so, yeah, our, our just our biggest complaint with his character in the in the first movie, he's like over concerned about his dad's job. Yeah, like he and we were like saying like, oh, he's just like really selfish. He just wants him to have like a good job so he doesn't have to live in like Queens or something like that <laughs> instead yeah. of Manhattan. There's no pleasing this kid. Like he just wants his dad to go back to his cool job, like his like security guard job. Yeah. Which I felt like I unless I missed it at the beginning, they didn't really explain where like did he have a replacement? He said he hadn't been back to the museum in a couple years. Yeah. So that's like a big story point I feel like to just like gloss over cuz obviously they needed to have a new like a new replacement to cover for mm-hmm. him while he's been gone. Obviously like this isn't some normal museum like yeah, I don't know. That that they missed out on a whole training session. That would have been funny to see. 
Yeah, and just like, you know, even um, whenever he like reconnects with Ricky Gervais's character, he he's just kind of like giving him a hard time. He's like, oh, I had to come back. And, couldn't make it in the corporate world or something like yeah. that. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm actually just, you know, living life, doing good and all that. But he's not saying anything like, oh, we just haven't been able to keep someone as good as you around, you know, right? during all that time. First I don't know. of all, I'm, if I'm quitting this job and I'm trying to make more money for sure, I'm still in town. Yeah. I'm still going to go visit my friends at the museum at night. Maybe yeah. once a week, maybe, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of sad. There, there's some missing plot points, and there's some missing story there and that I think, want. Yeah, you would think... I mean, I I guess you don't... I guess they showed in the first movie, like, he had the idea for, like, the snapper. Like, he was an yeah. inventor. He was trying to get that off the ground. So it makes sense, like, oh, he was kind of like an entrepreneur trying to start a business and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I guess they could have gone into it a little bit more with, like, you know, him, you know, having to make that decision, it was a tough decision. He didn't actually want to leave the museum because he, you know, he loved doing that job and every, you know, it was obviously it was a magical <laughs> experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a couple years later and it was like, oh, it's just like this, you know, fun thing I did for a little while. But, you know, it <laughs> it's meant, not just it a meant, fun thing. It meant so much more than that. Bush know? Gardens is a fun thing I did for a little while. Yeah. The giraffes and the kangaroos <laughs> I worked with. They don't remember me. <laughs> They're not my friends. Although they, one of them did give me a hug on my birthday, wow. and that was great because I had to work that day, obviously because I was uh, at Bush Gardens. So <laughs> <laughs> we were also talking about characters, and I mean, dare I say, the best new character of this movie, Brunden. Brunden. I didn't get enough Brunden. I he had the one scene and that's it. Um that's that's the best scene for me, the funniest scene. Yeah. Like anytime I think of this movie, I'm like, "Oh, Brunden. <laughs> that was a good scene." <laughs> Just Google popular baby names 1984. Brunden. It's his thing his name tag said Brandon. No, it said Brunden. It said Brandon. It said Brunden. It said Brandon. It said Brandon. Bro, his name tag said Brandon, and his name was Brunden. Brunden. And then he said, and he said to Brunden, why, why they couldn't get the extra A on there? Had to put a U there. And he huh. was like, "What? You get the? What do, you, what do they run out of cool pants at the cool pants store or something like that?" Hmm. I'm not making. I'm making that pants part up. But I feel like his name I tag, like his says name tag said Brunden, though. Listeners, if if you know this for a fact, let us know in the comments. Well, um, he has that joke like, oh, just Google most popular baby names 1984. Well, do you want to know what the actual Actually, pop- most yeah. popular <laughs> baby is, names is were in 1984? Is that how old uh, Jonah Hill is? Probably. Okay. Um, so for boys, the most popular name was Ernest P. Whirl. You're, stu- <laughs> you're so full of it. <laughs> guess i should have been born in 1984 you missed your opportunity <laughs> no the the okay I'll, I'll just there's a whole list here but i'll just do the top three the top three for boys was michael christopher and matthew uh-huh and for girls it was jennifer jessica and ashley i feel like i know a lot of like 30 somethings 
almost 40-somethings yeah. that are, are named that. So that makes sense. So Brendan wasn't a part of those 1984 names. But Jonah Hill was definitely just one of those like comedic actors that they got in to just like film a quick scene. <laughs> this is before he, he popped off. I mean, like he had, serious as a serious actor. Yeah, yeah. He had done stuff like Super Bad and things like that, but like he hadn't he hadn't done any drama yeah. yet. At this guy, he was the typecast like chubby white guy. Yeah. We've also got Bill Hader. Yep. In this, we've got. Common Ra is yep. Achman Ra's brother. Yes. He's played by Hank Azaria. Yes. Uh, Did a great job. He, most people would know him, would recognize his voice. He's done a lot of voices on The Simpsons. He's done okay. a lot of, um, a lot of voice uh, overwork and that sort of thing. Um, he's a comedic actor. He's actually worked with Ben Stiller once before, Jeremy. Do you rec- Do you recognize him? He was in the movie Mystery Men. <laughs> And he, oh really? He, he was the blue Raja. Oh yeah, I remember his. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. Now fork give you if you fork get that guy. Jonathan, I have not seen that movie in a very long time. Although it was very very funny. He was the Raja, and he attacked people with forks. That was his. <laughs> and Ben Stiller played Mister Furious. I forgot Ben Stiller was in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, I cannot find a single image of him in his name tag. Craig Robinson was in this. Mindy Kaling. Oh, yeah. Um, Ed Helms. All the Office. Yeah. Jonas Brothers. <laughs> yeah. The guy that wrote this movie, him and his writing partner wrote the Night at the Museum movies. They also wrote a few other kids' movies, but uh, his name is uh, Thomas Lennon. He is like the main character in Reno 911. So if you don't know who I'm talking about, I know who you're talking about. It's just, the sound on TikTok of like I'm just goofing, just new boo goofing. goofing. That guy, yeah. he wrote this movie. <laughs> he wrote the movie. He wrote the movie. Oh, I just thought he was like a random character. <laughs> no, and and him and his uh, co-writer were, played the Wright brothers in this movie. Yeah. So, I it, you can tell there's just a, like because he's a comedian and there's a lot of people involved in Stiller and stuff. They just got all their comedy friends like, hey, just like this is the perfect you know franchise to just invite people to come in and like hey you could you should play this character and do this like little role and yeah so i i feel like this that that's kind of cool so many people the oh uh jay baruchel excellent excellent choice right there joey motorola <laughs> hold on mom i'm on to something, I'm on to something. okay i i thought he had a bigger role in this movie no. Like I misremembered that being like a bigger role. Like they pulled him out of the painting and into the museum. Yeah. And I fully like remembered like him and uh Amy Adams character, Amelia Earhart, like I thought they like fell in love in this movie. Like that's what I remembered from this movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which means I did not remember this movie. <laughs> but no, it was even worse. <laughs> no, it was just her flirting with Ben Stiller for the whole movie. He was flirting back. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit to be concerning. <laughs> but, I mean, I haven't been in his shoes, so. You know, to each their own, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I really liked, when we're talking about the comedy writers, I liked just, like, the small things that most people 
wouldn't pick up on mm-hmm. necessarily just like the background stuff or like the transitions and one of those was when they're at the air and space museum and it's a transition and the neil armstrong is taking his first step on the on the moon set mm-hmm. and he's like it's one small step for mannequin yeah for man yeah. <laughs> one giant leap for mannequin for mannequin <laughs> and it just cuts to the next move the next scene yeah that was that was a good line yeah but it was it was so subtle like you could have just understood it as just mankind mm-hmm. mannequin and mankind mannequin. are the same word yeah jay parashell did a really good job uh just for his he just seems like he would be in a world war ii movie i, I, I would see that for sure side character part of the the band of brothers band of brothers yeah so Jeremy, can I can I lead us on a tangent real quick? I am down for tangents. Okay, I took I, I took uh, I'm I'm down for cosines and tangents. I took trig. Okay, okay. Well, part of the story in this is basically all the exhibits at the Natural History Museum are getting packed up and they're transferred. They're going into archives right. at the Smithsonian because the museum owner, the, like the ticket sales or whatever attendance is down at the museum and so they're trying to replace it with these like holograms mm-hmm. instead of the wax figures at the museum trying to make it more technological if that's a word trying to get more butts in seats uh, geographical phenomenon type <laughs> stuff yeah um and so i was thinking i my mind just went down this like tangent while we were watching this movie of like okay it showed a hologram of like teddy roosevelt um yes. like talking yeah, that was weird. And, and it's like, I, I, I pulled myself, like, if I was in that world, right, I, I was wondering, like, how would they know what Teddy Roosevelt sounded like? And I was just wondering, like, was his voice, like, ever recorded? I think so. His voice was. Yeah. Um, But, like, in the movie, he sounds like Robin Williams. Sure. But, but in this that's universe, a whole side thing. That's a whole side thing. Okay. Um, But I was just wondering, like, I it, it, I, it asked, I, I started asking myself... I wonder who the first president was to have their voice recorded. Did you look this that is, up? I looked it up. Okay. You, I, this is a trivia question for oh, you. Oh, sure. Give I, me mul- I know that you... I don't have multiple choice. Okay. But um, I can give you the year it was recorded, and maybe you can guess the, the president. Okay. Because I, I know you love like presidential facts. Okay. Don't hold me to it, though. <laughs> Shoot. Okay. Um, actually, I, I, if I told you the, the number of the president... Would that give it away? <laughs> you would know. <laughs> the who was the first president to have their voice recorded? Um, it was around 1889. 1889. Yeah. What was it on? One of those like wax wax uh, cylinders. The wax cylinders. Yeah. Which that was a whole other rabbit trail of just looking up like original like what yeah. stuff was recorded on back in the day. Yeah, yeah. That isn't those wax cylinders are really cool. Yeah. Um, there's a video of it. Well, like not, not video, but like the sound is on like YouTube. You can hear like it's a very low, lo-fi, yeah. obviously like recording. Sure. Um, another hint: it's the 23rd president of the United States. Oh, 23rd president, of yeah. course. We're... <laughs> I don't want to say Grover Cleveland. Then I, I won't tell you the answer. Then was he in office at the time? of this recording i don't know that for sure 
because I assume sense. why why else would they record the guy if he I wasn't the president though? Well, if he's a good president, <laughs> you give up. Oh, I'm got going with Grover Cleveland. I'm going with Grover because he he did twi- he did two, he did two terms, and that counts for two presidencies. Mm-hmm. Unless if that slips me up, I'm gonna be upset. Because that is him or Warren G. That is incorrect. The first president to have their voice recorded was Benjamin Harrison. Benjamin Harrison, twenty third president. Ew. Okay. Yeah. So what was it about? You I can don't play know. it. I'll I'll either play it here or I'll I'll put a link in the the show notes. He said. Um. He basically was like, "Did you know that my grandfather was also president in William Henry Harrison from eighteen forty one to eighteen forty one? Yeah. Fun fact: He did not last long in his office. <laughs> Benjamin Harrison. William Henry Harrison. Oh, his yeah, grandfather. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's the one that like <laughs> died of pneumonia or something. Like, yeah, he was known he for being long-winded in his speeches, and he had like, I want to say a six-hour inaugural speech, and that was what did him in. <laughs> Because it was raining and yeah. stuff, and then he got sick. Yeah, everyone says that it's a myth. Mm. Anyways, oh okay, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, so here here's another another um tangent I had on this on this trail is obviously another scene in this movie is like the Lincoln Memorial comes to life, right? Yes. Now, uh, I googled this. Lincoln never had his voice recorded. Yeah, we don't know what he sounds like, but everyone has an impression. But of But everyone has an impression of it. Like, so I'm wondering who was the. Fir- I don't know this. I'm wondering who the first person was to like portray him in a certain way. Yeah, it's like, and then that and that impression has latched on in like yeah. pop culture. It's not like a real distinct, but but you know when someone if you if you're watching something and someone's playing Lincoln, yeah. you're like okay, yeah, like like that's kind of what I would expect. Yeah. Um, it's like when people do impressions of like Christopher Walken, most people are just doing an impression of right. an impression. And I wonder if that's that just been heard. passed down through the years. Right. So I don't know. We don't know what, what Lincoln actually sounded like. He died 12 years before Thomas Edison invented the phonograph. Hmm. Uh, if anyone had an educated guess on how it sounded though, it would be Holzer, who has written 40 books on Lincoln and the Civil War. Some Lincoln nerd. But anyway, by the time Teddy Roosevelt had come around, there had been there there are several recordings of him. Like he was on tons of podcasts back in the day. Like yeah. we have those in the archives. It's yeah. fine. Joe Ro- Joe, right? Joe Rogan's like grandfather back in the day. Like yeah, he was a big big podcaster. <laughs> I'm really upset that I. Nailed the Grover Cleveland sandwich. <laughs> it counts. Wait, he was in between. So he was right in between them. All right, explain this. I didn't. I don't know this. You know, Grover Cleveland did two terms, but they were off. You have to know that. I don't remember. I don't recall that. Are you serious? He's the only president that's ever had one term, did not get reelected, but then did right after. Well, um, don't you dare <laughs> consider anything about the 2024 elections. <laughs> we are not that podcast. I'm going to cut you out right there. 
Anyways, uh, yeah, no, he was president from 1885 to 1889, and then also 1893 to 1897. Okay, so, and... Benjamin Harrison was in between. 89 to 93 was Benjamin Harrison. Yeah. Man, so you were right between. Yeah. I nailed him. So, technically, Grover Cleveland was a president before him, and his voice was recorded. Interesting. All right, that's enough of that. National Treasure... There's, I tried looking into this because uh, there's one part where he is flying to D.C. Um, and he's trying to sneak into the, get the security badge. Mm-hmm. He gets it from Brendan, of course. And then he's trying to sneak in and then get to the tablet. Or not the tablet. Yeah, the tablet. Um, and as he's like going through this like weird heist montage this very familiar music starts coming on and it sounds identical to the 2004 Trevor Rabin score of National Treasure. What, do you have a little sample of it? <laughs> Anyways. That's exactly what it sounded like. <laughs> Tenet had nothing on <laughs> Trevor Rabin. <laughs> Hans Zimmer, more like Hans Brinker. <clears throat> what the heck? In the figures get Deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, they sound... You can listen to them for yourself. The title of the track... Uh, well, you can just listen to all of... Actually, listen to both of those today. <laughs> both of the scores today. Because I was in go mode. National Treasure? At one work. and two? So, fun thing, I probably already talked about this. Whenever I have a deadline or a rush project, I have to get done. If I need to be productive, I turn on the National Treasure music score. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it is so motivating. Um, And I get stuff done. One time I listened to it on repeat all night to type out like a 12-page paper in college. Mm -hmm. And it was, it worked. What'd you get on that paper? I've never gotten below a B on a paper. Fun fact. I don't remember. But I know that. <laughs> I know that stat. I know that. Um, I I think if you want to listen to it on Spotify, uh, on Battle of the Smithsonian, it, the track is called Getting Through Security, or Sneaking Through Security, something like that. Getting Past Security. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, it kind of sounds like a, a lot of that track, which is one of my favorite. Honestly, weirdly, it's different than most movie scores, but it is my number one favorite movie score of all time. Not original, only because favorite. it's helped me. Th- yeah, only because it's helped me through so much. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> it helped me literally today at work. <laughs> um, basically, in conclusion, I looked to see because you know sometimes composers like Hans Zimmer uh, like to delegate their one job that they have and they hire they, they pretty much just sign off on I'm not a fan of Hans Zimmer I'm sorry I, I, I he like wrote one good that. track they delegate the one job that they have it's literally the one job they have like write the music for the whole thing it's fine Yeah. but sometimes they don't have they're working on multiple yeah. movies but they still want the name of yeah. like Hans Zimmer so he basically like approves it um, 
basically if it's it happened with the pirates movies yeah the, the original pirates was not right on zimmer and then he came in and kind of happened when jk rowling signed off on the cursed child <laughs> garbaccio <laughs> anyways so i thought it was something you like thought he that worked like, with like another composer i thought he maybe like worked with another composer like trevor rabin mm-hmm. to just just for this one track like oh it's a little homage to washington dc a heist scene but no, I it, I didn't see him at all uh, connected to it. Yeah. So it was a rabbit hole with no end. So. The uh, the composer was Alan Sil- Silvestri. He's he's yes. a very well known composer. He's very well known. This is not his best work. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say so either. But compared to, well, uh, he did the Back to the Future movies. I know he did that. That's his number one easily. He hasn't done anything better than that, for sure. I want to say he wrote the Avengers theme. Oh, really? I think so. Oh, he did Lilo and Stitch. Forrest Gump? He's. I think he... He did the Avengers yeah. theme. Polar Express, which we will be doing this year. He works year. with uh, Robert Zemeckis. Okay, yeah. So his stuff. That makes yeah. sense. He did the Croods, if you will. Uh, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> he did Castaway. Stuart Little... Back to the Future Part 2, Ready Player 1, Infinity War, Captain America, Night Museum, Mummy Returns, Father of the Bride, yeah, he's Mouse a, Hunt, he's a, he's a good Gully, composer. Christmas he's, Carol, Jim Carrey. He's um, been at it a long time, too. He's been at it a long time, and he knows what he's doing. Wow, what a resume. He did Stitch the Movie. <laughs> that was probably a sign-off, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> We should probably talk about the Smithsonian some, right? Yes, Jordan. Have you ever been to the Smithsonian Museum? I, I sure have. Sure question. That's multiple museums. Did you ask a question? I said, have you ever been to the Smithsonian <laughs> Museum? <laughs> and before you could even like punctuate it with the question mark, you said, sure question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we talked about it in our National Treasure episode, but our family went to Washington, D.C. in 2014. One of our greatest family trips, I think so. I would say so. Yeah. Ab- ab- absolutely, hundred uh, percent. One of our only. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, I mean, we went to several of the museums, and one of them that's featured in the movie that I remember was the Air, Air and Space Museum. So that was cool. Yeah. Seeing the Wrights, Wright brothers, they they were just there giving tours. Yeah. That was the, that was seeing not their a model? like their first like makeshift airplane that was pretty cool yeah do they have apollo 11's spacecraft in there because i've either seen it there or at kennedy space center yeah i'm fuzzy on that too i think there's one of each of maybe like apollo 13 or something yeah i don't honestly the thing that no, i remember apollo 13 they lost theirs <laughs> <laughs> okay well there is a connection to apollo 13 in this movie yes, did you pick it is. up i did okay uh, Ron Howard's brother in Mission yeah. Control. Clint Howard. So cool. Um, A.K.A. Del Paxton High School Van. That's wild. And that's wild. <laughs> One of our favorite <laughs> characters in that thing you do. Yeah, okay. I was hoping I was hoping you picked up on that. Oh, yeah. He was playing Mission Control as his, his role I mean, in Apollo 13. he has 13. the same exact glasses and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, he's... He was just a set piece from the movie, so they just took him. Basically, yeah, Clint Howard is in the Smithsonian. Yeah. Um, 
Paul 13, a staple of our childhood. Yeah. That, I, I think ooh, that's a staple. I think we need to do a space month. We should. We should. But not like space travel, more like space, like realistic space. Yeah. yeah you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. No. Not like Star Wars. I'm talking. Yeah. We already Paul done 13. That. We already done that. Um, I felt like Nikki's character transitioned into the Riley Pool character in this movie, cause like he's just like the man in the chair, you know. Like talking about Nikki was not in this movie. (laughs) Barely, he was in it. What part did he play? You don't remember Nikki in the movie? I remember at the beginning. He was at the very beginning and the very end. Well, no. So he's basically like. Ben Stiller's, like, on the phone with him. Okay. And, like, Nikki is apparently a computer hacker now oh, yeah. at home. Well, and, like, she has all the schematics to all the Smithsonian Museum. Oh, because that's telling available. Him where to go. I yeah. bet Brendan gave it to him. <laughs> and so he's, like, telling him, like, oh, this is where he needs to go. But I think at a certain point, they cut him out of the movie basically because there's no cell phone reception underground. And so he can't, like, talk to him. Yeah. And so he's gone. he's not there for most of the movie. But that's what it felt like. He was like the Riley character. Yeah. You know, when we went to the Smithsonian, I don't think I thought about this movie at all, though. <laughs> like, I didn't go into that that experience. Because this movie came out in 2009. We saw it. We went to the actual museum in, like, 2014. Yeah. And, like, long... my mind was just all, like, national treasure, like... Let me see all the cool stuff they got in this museum. Understandably. I, I wasn't even thinking movie. about this movie. You know, I wasn't thinking about uh, Night at the Museum. Not but, that there's anything wrong with this movie. No, I just... I Not think there's funny. anything wrong with that. <laughs> I just wasn't thinking about it. I don't know. I, that just kind of hit me. Yeah. You would think like the, the movie fans that we are, like, oh yeah, the Night at the Museum, of course, here. Now, one thing that stuck out to me when we saw this movie, which... Side note, do you remember seeing this movie? I, I remember seeing it yeah. with you and mom, like in theaters. No, yeah, I, came s- out. I remember seeing all three of these movies in theaters. Oh, really? Yeah. This I think, I'm pretty sure this is the only one that I, I saw in theaters, but I remember going with uh, with you and mom. I remember that being good. Gotcha. And I, I bet you really liked this because you were really in your SNL days. I could tell, like, this is... Oh, this is like, oh, the, the comedic actors playing in a kid's movie. Okay, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Okay. Brendan Hughes funny. I, I liked that, you know. I had moved past the kid's movie, so I felt yeah. like when Night in the Museum came out, I was like, cool. I like that. That was a good movie. Yeah, it's for kids, but, you know, it was a good movie. I liked it, you know. This one, Jeremy wants to go see, Jeremy and Mom want to go see this. I'll go with them, you know. I, I love the movies, I, and I liked the first one. I'll go, you know. Yeah. So that was kind of my attitude about these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I'll keep going. Keep going. Uh, the third movie I update still have not seen. Okay. <laughs> I've never seen the third movie. We'll change that. Uh, we'll. I mean, I I want to see it. I said that when we covered the first one. Sure. You know, I just you know we'll get to it. The other thing I that, don't think it's as good. Just fair warning. Okay. I'm also curious because I've never seen it. I don't actually know like what is supposed to be like Larry's full character arc like what are these <laughs> movies pointing to i gotta know eventually uh well actually there's an artifact in the in the back rooms mm-hmm. and it's like sort of like a dial and it makes him go back in time and then he becomes a part of that dial of destiny you could say that yeah yeah 
kind of yeah. a lame cop out if you ask me. But <laughs> um, the other thing I have not seen is the animated Night at the Museum that is on Disney Plus. It has it. It's supposed to have Nikki in it, grown up, right. and he becomes a super. I actually character. really want to watch that. I looked it up. It actually has the highest Rotten Tomato score of any of the movies. This animated movie. Wow, it looks really good. It looked I, like the same. It's a two D movie, which I'm a fan of. I was looking at it beforehand. And I was like, I feel like such a hypocrite because I feel like I'm someone that on this podcast will talk about. We need more two D movies. You know, we need more exactly. of this stuff. And then they make it, and I'm like, eh, it's Disney Plus is probably not going to be to good. To be fair. <laughs> I have suggested it a couple times, and you have knocked it down a I couple have, times. It's been a while since you've suggested it, but yeah. I just haven't been in the mood to watch it. And also, I almost watched it before this one, but I, I didn't have time. While we're on this, I would also like to state that uh, I would like to watch the National Treasure show. Um, because I know it's going to be bad, but two, the music is still good. Well, I think it's officially canceled. Oh. I don't think they're making a season two. Okay. And which means that this is a prime candidate that they're just going to like take that thing off Disney Plus and never see it okay. like, as a tax write-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually. I don't know. Okay. It makes me not want to watch it. At the same time, so did you listen to the music? I did listen. It's Trevor Rabin again. He's doing the music? It's really good. Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'll listen to all three of the scores. I feel today. like it... Yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, like, we covered the Mighty Ducks Game Changers yeah. on this podcast, and that is a show that does not exist anymore. I don't know why it can't be a supplementary like, They episode. took it off of Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So, that's kind of frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, they made that, I and I didn't watch it, but they made that whole Willow show. Oh, yeah? And, like... It didn't get, It didn't do well. Is it gone, too? It's gone. It just came out. That's a Lucasfilm production. It was on Disney Plus for, like, three months and they took it off <laughs> that bad huh i mean that's like that's crazy <laughs> and i don't really understand the business side of how that all works it's like if it's a tax write-off sure how, they'll open it up they'll bring it, or, it back or if eventually. they'll just license it to other streamers or something but like they're just like no we don't even want this on here. they know it's bad too <laughs> they're like we're just trying to make some money i will watch disney if you're listening i will watch the National Treasure TV show, if you make a legit National Treasure 3. Can we be writers we on want. National Treasure 3? That's what we want. That's all we want, pretty all much. All we can talk Just about... Just us to be screenwriters for that. We're talking about Night at the Museum, but we spent half this time referencing National Treasure. Like, we know what we're talking about. What do we want to do? We have a whole uh, lineup for the next three movies. Number one... Um, the wax cylinder of number two Benjamin Harrison number two um, <laughs> and then number three uh, which is my gonna be my favorite one solving the JFK assassination conspiracy okay I mean these could be so good but they stopped they stopped uh, there's all sorts of things we could get done area 51 mm-hmm. no Indiana Jones tried doing that this is not a national treasure movie although we need to do that next year because I'm in on it right now national treasure too yeah yeah that's a july movie for sure and unfortunately we hit a slump during the summers so (laughs) my fault (laughs) one of the things i do remember about this movie is i thought it was cool as a star wars fan to see you know darth vader 
in this movie. Yeah, that was a little, Oscar the Grouch. That was a little <laughs> jarring, actually, for me. It, I was like, that's weird. It was, it was cool for me because, like, you got to remember at the time, Star Wars was over, man. Revenge of the Sith came out. That's true. Like, am I ever going to see a live action Darth Vader again? I didn't know it, but I was going to see him in Night at the Museum. He too. was a museum exhibit. This was before Rogue One. Yeah. Or any of the Disney Plus series, you know, sure. that he's been back on. But uh, I thought that was cool. And I, and I appreciated some of the references that are in the archives to film and TV and that sort of thing, which obviously you've got uh, Oscar the Grouch, you've got which Darth Vader. Technically, this is part of the MCU in that the Muppet Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yeah. So I'm counting it. Um, there was also a line that I caught. Card? I remember me and mom laughing at it. I don't know if you laughed at it in the movie, but it was like when um, Common Ra's like, got, he's like hoarding all the, all the stuff in the museum. And he's got like the the chair sitting on top, and he's like, "Oh, I don't know who this Archie Bunker is." Oh yeah, I caught it. This <laughs> it's a time. very comfortable throne. <laughs> yeah, um, which is an All in the Family reference. If you've ever seen that seventies, that seventies show, it is. A it's not 70s. that seventies show, what but it's a seventies show. Basically, if you had uh, not cable <laughs> growing up, and that was a show that was on, and your parents wanted to watch something. That's what you watched. It was a show. We didn't watch that show. <laughs> but yeah, I just... I think... And when we went to the Smithsonian, it was like the film and TV stuff that I thought was kind of yeah. cool. And the Air and Space Museum. I remember seeing Harry that Potter's robe from the Sorcerer's Stone. That was really cool. Uh, a Kermit the Frog. Mm-hmm. Puppet. Muppet. Um, yeah, Kermit. But the thing that stuck with me the most in the Smithsonian... The one that just like took me, like, in in entranced me. I guess I mm-hmm. I, I stared at it for a very long time. Mm. Uh, was the George Washington general's suit that um, they did his portrait in, like his famous general's portrait? That was yeah. his suit, his uh, uniform, general's uniform. Yeah, I remember that. And I just stared at that thing for a while because George Washington wore that. Yeah, that's crazy. But, yeah, no, I, I, Smithsonian, I want to go back to. Oh, I yeah, yeah. want to go to D.C. I love very D.C. badly. Yeah. Um, and I want to go with more time, but also, like, without parents slowing us down. <laughs> <laughs> because our dad, our dad got sick and we had to make frequent stops. A lot uh, of pit stops along if, the way. If you, uh. If you catch our drift, hopefully you don't. Um, but it was really cool. Very, very much a lot of core memories for us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you are ever considering going to Disney World with your family and your uh, your other option is D.C., definitely go to D.C. That'll be just as cool. Don't, like, let your kid go with his eighth grade class. That's like lame. The They're just going to goof off. <laughs> Make it a vacation. There's plenty of stuff to do. Yeah. This movie had a vocab word for me. Oh, really? Do you, can you guess what it would have been? Firepower. <laughs> no. Oh, well, let me talk about that afterwards. Go ahead. No, you go first. I, explain Bro, yourself. Okay, so 
that quote went like rent free in everyone's mind in our class. Mm-hmm. Like that was the thing. Bing, bam, boom. Firepower. Like that was the funny thing to say. I don't even recognize that. From that was this the movie. thinker. The thinker. <laughs> right. Was like, yeah. Yeah. Ugh, I hate that. It, it was. It's so annoying. So your classmates like all quoted that. Everybody, not even just my classmates, just people like summer camp. George Washington. George Washington. It. Yeah. Um, it was. If you were, yeah, no. If you went to summer camp or you had a classmate that. That was the the pullout quote from this movie. Like mm. the ups, like I would say this is objectively the most famous quote from this movie is firepower. Oh man. Yeah, no, I'm 100%. <laughs> I didn't even write that down. <laughs> um, well, um the word that like gets repeated in this movie is moxie. That was Gross. like that was the vocab word for me. I was like, I hadn't really heard, because she's supposed to be like this nineteen twenties thirties, like yeah. fast talking lady, and yeah, Moxie. Yeah. That was one. Well, that reminds me of the other annoying character from this movie, Amelia Earnhardt. Earhart. You didn't like her. I did not like her. Here's the thing: I unfortunately don't think I like Amy Adams, and I. I respect her. I think she's a great actress. I, I'm in the same camp. I just cannot not be annoyed by her. Hmm. And especially in this movie, she's just like, she just she follows you around and you can't escape her. <laughs> and at that type of thing, like, give me unwanted attention and I hate it. That's something I found out about myself recently. Hmm. That is the worst for me. Hmm. Uh, and... She nails that. You haven't been able to keep your cheaters off my chassis this whole time. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> um, I and we need to talk about this. This love story. This love story. It's so weird. Like, I get Amelia Earhart was probably really cool in real life, and given this cinematic universe based off of the Robin Williams recording, which we never really settled on that. Um, Robin Williams, his voice is, in this world is Teddy Roosevelt's voice. Yeah. yeah. That's that's how I took yeah. this. Mm-hmm. So, the, um, the recording wasn't too off. Um, it's not Robin Williams. It is Teddy Roosevelt's voice in this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I know. It just, it just reminded me of the your your leapfrog, leap pad, yeah. tablet of like all the presidents and stuff. I know a lot to. Yeah. There's a lot of inside quotes from that tablet. I feel like For at real. least one, because <laughs> I remember it had like like recordings quotes. of of presidents and the one that I just remember being on the way home from church and you just like clicking on each one listening. To the them. only thing we have and to it was fear JFK. is fear itself. It's not an inside quote. That's like a historical United States it's an inside history quote. quote. Inside quote. Subjectively. <laughs> you wouldn't get it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, wow. <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, turn down that wall. <laughs> Did it have a Benjamin Harrison on there? No. It should only have. had a couple. It should have. It, yeah, it was um, modern. A day that will remain, it live in infamy. 
FDR. <laughs> if you are a parent and you want your kids to learn, uh, I 100% endorse a Leap Pad for Christmas this year. We're not sponsored by Leap Pad. Circa 2003. Yeah, I'm sure they're even greater now, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I learned a lot from that. So yeah. <laughs> Where were we going? Oh, how annoying Amelia Earhart. I'm oh, sure yeah. she was great. Yeah. Uh, so this is that would be her in real life, pretty much. So um, I bet Amelia Earhart was insufferable. <laughs> I'm going to fly plane. <laughs> Let me just say, I don't think her getting lost was a... Might have been an inside job. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I'm not that big a fan of Amy Adams either. I and it's like you said. I respect her as an actress. Um, I don't have any strong reason not to. Yeah, it's just I. I don't know because she's she's in a lot of great movies. I I think where it started for me is she got cast as Lois Lane in Man of Steel, and I just felt like that was just like that. Just didn't feel like the right move for that character. I don't know. It just seemed weird. Yeah. Because I was like, she's Amelia Earhart. Like, like, how could she be Lois Lane too? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe a lot of the like transatlantic buzzwords kind of give me the ick. Yeah. You don't like that. I'm not really a huge fan. That style of like, I really, the quick pace, fast talking. I truly don't vocabulary. I don't really like that in old movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably it's not black and white film that I've I've always said this. I don't like black and white movies, but not because of the color of the film showing to me. Mm-hmm. It is the sound quality, and it is the voices and the yeah. accents. It's so bad for me. Do you do you have any quotes from this movie other than? I think I've said a few of them. For me, it was just like everything Brundon said was yeah. just like so funny. Was What's so the, good. It was actually not. I, I dare you to touch it. I I sit here. I wait all day for a little girl like you to try and cross that line. Well, it's actually a free country. <laughs> actually, no, it's not a free country. Uh, we're part of the United States of don't touch that thing that's in front of you. Uh, it's Brundon, actually. I love it. He woke up and chose violence. I remember the Golden Fleece. I remember yeah. that. Uh, it, uh, Gigantor. I mean, that's that's from the first one, but that's it's more what, of a nickname than that's a, what. Yeah. Whooped. Um, I wrote down <laughs> cheaters off my chassis. Ew. <laughs> Gross. I thought that that was a quote that stood out to me. Sure. This was more of like a scene than a than a real quote, but whenever Napoleon mm-hmm. was trying to read the the situation on that love triangle, yeah, 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 that was so funny. Or is she like a like a college friend, were, were like a like roommate, or friends in college, or something? Would 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 you like uh, you really like her, but you can't really tell her, or uh, you like like her? Or, well, I'm just trying to read. I like I'm a French. I love the passion. I love the uh, I love the nitty gritty of the relationships. The relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he, yeah, that was good. Top three character for me. Let's Napoleon. go. Let's go. As we're wrapping up, give me your top three least favorite exhibit slash characters, and your top three favorites. Top bottom three. 
Bottom three for me, uh, The Thinker, okay. Amelia Earhart, and Common Raw, probably. He annoyed me a lot. I, I agree with you on Common Raw. I was going to bring that I, up. I think he did really good, and he was really funny, but I just he was a lot. The character gets old by the time you get to the third act. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was it was just a lot. Yeah. I, I agree with that. He had some good scenes, and I like the actor. I think he's really funny, but yeah, yeah it, the shtick kind of got old. Um. <laughs> I don't want to say the same ones as you, but I might. I might just That's go fine. with those same ones as you. Uh, well, okay. My other least favorite moment of the movie was the monkeys slapping. Because, like, oh, it's a sequel. Oh, yeah. So now we need to have two monkeys slapping Ben Stiller. So Space Monkey Was not, not a fan either. of that. So Space Monkey is my other <laughs> least favorite. I, I don't okay. like that. Okay. So my top three would probably be Napoleon. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Brundon because he's a real person. I'm going off of exhibits only. Napoleon, General Custer, and okay. the Einstein bobbleheads. The Oh, really? I loved them. They were so funny to me. You're not going to go for the Jonas Brothers cherubs? I'll, I was going to let you have that. Oh, come on. You're the Joe Bros fan. I know, but <laughs> I, I just liked those a lot more. They were so good. Um... Yeah, the 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 Joe Bros cherubs were definitely like the slugs from Flushed Away, following them <laughs> yeah. around and singing modern pop songs. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, did not like seeing Kevin Jonas's butt as a baby form. <laughs> not a fan. But not a fan. To each his own. Uh, I would say Joey Motorola. Joey Motorola. He stuck out to me. I thought he had a bigger role in this movie. Like, I really thought he like yeah was there. Um. Maybe not my favorite, but I did think it was cool that Al Capone was in black and white. Yeah, that was so cool. It was like that was a Sandlot cool effect. effect. Yeah, um, and he's like a I don't he's like a well known actor too. Yeah, John he, Bernthal. Yeah, he played. I see him around Punisher? a lot, but I don't like actually know what I know him from. But yeah, I guess those would be. Who else would there be? Who did I say? I said Joey Motorola. Who? What was the other one? Jonas Brothers. Jonas Brothers. Um, I thought the Einstein bobbleheads, while you're looking for your third one, the Einstein bobbleheads were so good to me because I, they were an exhibit, but they were part of the gift shop. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was funny. They weren't an exhibit. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> um, and something pricked my brain a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, Einstein was famously an unorganized yet creative, very smart person. Um, but he was constantly, in, his office was a mess. Everything about him was a mess. His hair, you know, um, and they've that's led to like studies saying like, if you're more messy, you have a higher IQ. Mm. Um, but I thought it was so cool that whenever they were writing out pie, um, trying to figure it out, uh, Einstein bobbleheads were using post-it notes. Mm. And I thought that was cool because post-it notes weren't invented w- during Einstein's time. Oh. I don't think they were. They don't. They seem like they were invented in the 60s. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, like, that's something that you can either get super chaotic with or super organized with. Mm. And I thought yeah. that was really cool. Let me see when post-it notes were. That's probably my pull-out thought. Like, that's my shower thought. I was like, whoa, he's using a post-it note. Yeah. (laughs) 
In what year were post-it notes invented? 1980. He was dead by then for sure. Well, I think I think I'm just gonna go with Al Capone as my okay guy. No, he's just because I, I like the effect. <laughs> um, yeah, Einstein had been dead for 25 years. He died in 1955, before the he invention of the post-it note. Yeah. There, there's a lot of things that I didn't like that kind of aged a little bit whenever they were hinting towards like this relationship like the Abe Lincoln part they were like oh are you guys you would make an adorable couple oh I mean we're not a uh, we're not uh, I mean we're not uh, blah 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 yeah. <laughs> you know stuff like that yeah, yeah. that happened way too much I'd, I'd say um, and for what payoff just so that she can fly away and he can find someone that looks like her. Yeah, I mean, like in the museum. Yeah, that's, that's and he can ask. You're not. You're not me. You don't happen to be related to Amelia Earhart, uh, are you? No, but I've been Jimmy Jack before. <laughs> Whoa! First of all, before we we this is my one last thing I want to talk about before we close out. Go for it. In the first movie, I don't think they like had as much property damage. As it did, like, this movie, they broke a lot of things. They broke windows. They broke exhibits. Mm. Um, a lot of personal property damage. Mm. Uh, government property damage. Like, that's dangerous. That's serious. It, do they fix stuff? Like, in, like, Harry Potter, they just reverse it at night? Because no, that is so much damage. No, because there's a line where... Ben Stiller is like, oh, we got to get this cleaned up before. We got like an hour before the museum opens or something. It's like, I got to get it cleaned up. But there's a difference between cleaning up and like fixing broken things. Yeah. I don't Uh, know. There was a lot more of destruction in this movie. And I was thinking about that. I was like, I wonder if when everything goes back to normal, does the broken things get fixed? Yeah, I don't know. Because I don't think so. Because some people are like missing their swords or so, or something like that, and like they can be misplaced or, and at night at in the morning time the exhibits just are frozen where they're at. Yeah, and it looks like somebody pranked, somebody, you know. But I don't know. Either that's a plot hole or something I missed. Yeah, but and I completely forgot the ending of this where it was like. In order to save the museum, we're going to introduce night tours. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's just like the museum is to life and everyone can see it, yeah. you know? But, like, the public just thinks that it's, like, actors, okay, I guess. Okay, I was going to ask that. that. That's what I, that was my read on it, was, like, the guests that were there just thought it was, like, an actor playing. Animatronics, really good animatronics. Yeah, one of the lines the kids said, like, oh, these animatronics suck. <laughs> there comes a point where they're, like, that's a little too real. Like, they have tiny people moving yeah. around. No, those are probably pretty good animatronics if it looks like that yeah but like anyways that was really cool I I liked that ending um my my lesson learned was because I because I was gonna I was gonna tell the the listeners at home um you know the key to happiness is uh what what is it what's the I'm, I'm frozen like like Robin Williams. Like Robin. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's where I was. I was going to say physical exercise, but yeah, <laughs> what you said is good too. That's funny. <laughs> I forgot about that. Well, my lessons learned is if I'm going to be in charge of transferring the most important exhibits to, let's say, uh, the Smithsonian, um, 
I learned that probably not going to ship over the miniatures that can just be remade or not that important. Yeah. So. Yeah, what what makes what purpose? <laughs> they weren't the so original <laughs> action yeah. figures or anything like Yeah, they weren't wax, Smithsonian. Larry. What do you made? I wonder if they they didn't they all got shipped to the Smithsonian. Uh yes. Yeah, it didn't say anything about them being going to different places, but right. it did say some things got left behind, like Teddy Roosevelt got left behind. Sure. Um the Easter Island head too busy dumb to dumb ship. Yeah, they they left that there. Can we go there one? I want to go I want to go to that museum. I, I don't think it's a real museum. What? It's got to be real. I, I don't think I don't think that's real. Yes it is. No. No. It's got to be real. It's a real building. American Museum of Natural History. And they have a dinosaur. It's a real thing. Yes. I mean that that exterior. Yeah. That's real. We'll have to go there. But uh, this is in New York? Yeah, it's in New yeah. York, in Manhattan. I would love to make that a part of my New York trip. I'm not going to see the Statue of Liberty. You can't pay me to see that crap. You're going to close your eyes? You're just going to try not... I'm not going to You're going to try and actively it. not see it when If I there? can pass by it, I'll see it. But like, there's no point mm-hmm. in going to Ellis Island. I went to St. Louis. We saw that. We, we drove by the arch, you know? That's completely different, but... There's plenty more things to do in New York, but I'm adding the Museum of Natural History to that list. <laughs> All right, and let's let's talk uh, to wrap it up. Our letterbox scores for this movie. Um, I'll go first. I thought this was just as good as the original. I feel like it it stands up. Um, it does have a little bit of that like, let's make it bigger and badder than the first one, you know, and kind of goes over overboard a little bit at times. Um, but I think it holds up. I think the quality is just as good. Um, there's a lot of new characters in it, and I like all the new characters, but I do feel like some of the old characters, the classics, don't have that much screen time. Right. I mean, yeah. Robin Williams doesn't have much in this movie. Yeah. Um, and that's, I feel like that's a shame. Well, he's famously left out of sequels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, all in all, like I, I, get, I gave it three and a half stars. I feel like that's probably what I would give the first one, and yeah. I feel like it's just as good. That's literally what I have for both of them. Yeah, so I, far, I feel so like it's just as good. Um, yeah, it's, I will. Yeah, it's good and it's borderline great, but it's not one of the greats. Yeah, and it has it has a lot of great moments, a lot of funny lines. Yeah, and it stuck with us for sure. Yeah, no, I I agree. Same same score as the first one, three and yeah. a half. Um, and we'll see eventually I do want to watch the third one I'll get to it eventually <laughs> probably by the time we decide to cover it on the podcast or yeah, something <laughs> but uh, stay tuned for that episode uh, well another day another staple well everyone our only question left is what is your favorite inside quote from Night at the Museum Battle of the Smithsonian uh, let us know on Instagram at Inside Quotes Cast. And if you haven't followed us, go ahead and do that and let us know if there are any movies you want us to cover on the show. Yeah, next week, it's going to be your turn to pick the movie. Yes. So, do you have a hint for us what we're going to be talking about next time? Well, next week we're going to be doing a wonderful sixth installment of a movie franchise we've been covering slowly but surely. 
Um, and I'm super excited to be covering that because this is one of my favorites. So here's a clip. Exactly how did you get out of the castle, Harry? Oh, through the front door, sir. I'm off to Hagrid, you see. He's a very dear friend, and I just fancy paying him a visit. So if you don't mind, I will be going now. Harry! Sir, it's nearly nightfall. Surely you realise I can't allow you to go roaming the grounds by yourself? Well, then by all means, come along, sir. Our show art was done by Bryce Bridgman, and you can find him on Instagram at GroovyBridge or our previous episode, because he was just on when we covered Ernest Scared Stupid. That's right. And our music was done by Alex Bird, and we definitely would love it if you left us a five-star review, because if you do, we promise to read it right here on the show. And we haven't had one in a while, so yeah, yeah. if you're listening we to this need right one. now, we need one. please just, just write one. We would love that. Yeah, we'll read it on the show, and, and more importantly, five stars, and we'll send you a glow-in-the-dark flashlight. Whoa. That is a Daily Devices uh That'd be a good set product. piece. <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll be the, the set piece from this movie that we'll put on our, our podcast set. Sick. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about our childhood staples just as much as we have. And if you did, make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you don't miss out on a future episode. Also, if you like the show, share it with a friend. Until next week, we'll see you on Inside Quotes. For now, let's 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 get one of those night tours going. I'll get the Earth, Wind, and Fire plane. Let's go.